Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. With the triumphant entry having just taken place, we are now firmly entrenched in what is known as the Passion Week of Jesus' ministry. In our devotional timeline, that event was yesterday. We're now picking up the story some 12 to 24 hours later. Our passage for this episode is Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 17. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you Lord have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. I have pointed to this time briefly in previous episodes, particularly episode 12, when we looked at Jesus' teaching on meekness. So we know that this is not just the case of Jesus losing his cool for no reason. A key message is being told in all this, and a system is being brought under judgment at this time. So let's consider what Jesus encounters as he makes his entrance to the temple here. It's the crowded festival season. Passover is just days away. And we are told here that Jesus ascends the steps to the outer courts and is immediately confronted with a livestock market. It is noisy, it is cluttered, and after a significant amount of time, it's inevitable that it will get really smelly and very messy underfoot. There will be a distinct ammonia-like odor due to the amount of urine and other equally confronting smells. Now imagine a city that has swelled to more than four times its size in population and the centerpiece of that swelling and sudden tourism is centered on that particular market space. That is what Jesus first sees, a massive market going on inside the temple courts. A sacred location is filled up end-to-end in animal waste, in bird cages and currency exchanges, stealing attention away from the sheer awe of being in close proximity to the house of Yahweh. This was enough to get Jesus, meek and mild Jesus, visibly angry. Angry enough, according to John's account, to braid a whip. Angry enough to single-handedly throw everyone and everything out. Angry enough to raise a riot. Angry enough for a whole city to stop and take notice. It is abundantly clear that Jesus took what went on at the temple really seriously. Throughout his ministry, he watched people in their attitude and conduct towards it. This will later be evident in Luke chapter 21, where he watches those giving to the temple treasury, and he commends the little old lady who only had two coins to scratch together and gave them anyway. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the subject of episodes 96 and 97, is a teaching about temple mindsets, the one approved by Jesus and the one that had been approved by man. There, the Pharisee and the story gets right to the center of the temple and he misses the point of it all. As a result, he is rejected for his pride, 
while the tax collector who cried out from the court of the Gentiles where this pop-up market currently was is commended for his humility. The intended purpose of the temple and his personal presence in it were of high importance to Jesus, and those assigned the task of keeping the standard were falling well short of the mark. They had let things in that didn't belong, beliefs, attitudes, and practices that were clearly displeasing to the Lord. In Malachi, the last prophetic voice to Israel, roughly 400 years before Christ, we see how the Lord was already displeased with the goings-on of the priests and their attitude towards temple worship. The temple at that time had only been in play for about a century after the Babylonian exile, and attitudes were already in a poor state. The priests were already facilitating cheapened worship with offerings of lame and blind animals. Here in the first century, we see that things were even further advanced. Instead of repentance, their moral downward spiral was continuing. And this in spite of the apparent messianic expectation that seemed to be present in the atmosphere at the time. Worshippers and those making their annual pilgrimage to the temple were no longer even bringing animals. Instead, they could just pick one up at the temple market. It was a cattle-based ATM right outside church. The priests were allowing stallholders to sell beasts for sacrifice for the convenience of those who could more easily bring their money with them than their beast. They also had quite a racket going on with the sale of doves. Leviticus 5 verse 7 tells us that a special provision was made for the poor in the midst of God's people. If they couldn't afford a lamb, they could present doves instead. Take note that doves were offered by Jesus' own parents to thank the Lord for his safe arrival. These marketeers were profiting from the vulnerable, people Jesus felt close human affinity to. To explain the money changing, we are told that worshippers were required to change their tainted or unclean Roman currency into clean or unblemished temple currency in order to buy their sacrifices, hence the presence of the money changers. But this was never how the process was supposed to go, and scholars tend to believe that there were some sharks at these stalls, likely cheating the pilgrims and profiteering greatly. Today, we have clear guides on what various currencies are worth in relation to others, a luxury not afforded to a currency that only had one purpose. In all this, the heart of worship among the people was being stolen from them. Their worship no longer came with a sense of anticipation. There was no longer a sense of real sacrifice. I wonder if you could see the dynamic difference between what confronted Jesus that morning as opposed to the way it was supposed to occur. Previously, a worshipper would be required to walk their animal into the city. They would be looking at it with both expectation and excitement because it was being offered to the Lord their God. But there would also be a bit of pain with that because it would be the result of the work of their hands. Now, these people were free to just leave the cattle at home and take a bit of coin instead. The whole thing was becoming completely dishonoring to God. And it was a stumbling block to those outside the faith. Most agree this market stall was taking place in the court of the Gentiles. This was the closest those outside the Jewish faith were able to get to the temple, or symbolically to the very presence of God. As they attempted to draw near to the Lord, all these Gentiles met was a corrupted market. In Isaiah 56 verses 6 and 7, we read about a future where the nations will come front and center to the presence of the Lord. It says this, And foreigners 
who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the very verse Jesus is quoting as he proceeds to wreak havoc in the courtyard. He is reinstating the intended purpose of the temple and correcting the way a person of any nation was to approach God in worship. Not paying lip service or performing a duty, but getting sincere and real in God's presence. It was about being sacrificial and being filled with anticipation as you made your way up to the house of the Lord. It was about coming in a state of awe to the God of all creation and bowing down before Him, about giving the best of one's attitude, of their substance, and of their time. But instead, Jesus deems the present temple arrangement to be a den of thieves. This resonates with Malachi, but also directly refers to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11. It says this, Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Those facilitating this current temple system are being called robbers. Robbers of God, stealing away the essence of genuine worship, accepting a cheap substitute and telling the people that this was all perfectly fine. Jesus finds that the temple has not served the purpose for which it was built. It has not manifested the glory of God, but rather has succumbed to cheap and corrupt practices. Jesus finds the religious leaders have failed miserably at their task of spiritual leadership to the nation, and the nation as a whole has failed to be the light and reference point to the nations that the Lord intended them to be. So Jesus pronounces judgment on them in this key moment. And in the wake of this massive event, something amazing emerges despite the indignation of the leaders presently in his crosshairs. There was space for miracles and encounter with God once again. The blind and the lame were able to receive their strength and sight again, and children were free to sing and worship in those courts. Eugene Peterson, in his Bible paraphrase, The Message, puts it this way, Now there was room for these people to get in and for these healings to occur. The rabbinic writings of their time included statements about fitness for temple entry. One of those writings, called The Tract of Haggigah, stated that all Jews are obligated on the three pilgrim festivals to appear in the temple as well as to sacrifice an offering. But there was a significant list of exceptions, including but not limited to the deaf, the mute, the blind, the lame, the sick, the old, as well as the minor, the child. It went on to say that the person who could not ascend to Jerusalem on their own legs would be excluded. So in this event, Jesus casts severe judgment on the things that were included, which he deemed to be ungodly. And he extended ministry and mercy to those up to this point being actively excluded. The blind and lame could now be healed and free to enter the inner temple courts. And the children were free to frolic and repeat the liturgy songs they'd heard the day before. Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus even makes an example of them to the indignant priests and Pharisees. Out of the mouth of children comes something special. The idea of called forth praise can also translate as bringing praise to completeness and unity or to adjust it thoroughly. 
And since Jesus is invoking Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, it's worth considering that perspective too. It says this, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Childlike praise replaced the sound of what was reduced to a sail yard. It demonstrated a more complete form of what praise to God should look like. It adjusted the attitudes of those watching who were being challenged to be more like them in their outlook. And it served to silence the voice of the indignant enemy who could only stand and watch as God in the flesh brings order to an otherwise chaotic system which called itself worship. A new order of things is coming. And the next episode will begin to explore this as Jesus speaks further. For now, though, there is plenty for us to reflect on. First, let me ask this. Is there anything about your approach to worshipping the Lord that might have gotten to a place of cheapness? Have you lost that sense of anticipation that comes with coming together to worship with others in a gathered setting? Have you lost that sense of wonder when you're alone in God's presence? Have you settled too long for something less than it should be? Only you know these things, and I would encourage you to respond to the things Jesus may be revealing to you as you ponder those questions. Next, what is in your temple that doesn't belong? What does Jesus need to drive out of it for true worship to be restored? And finally, what are you making room for? Are you being challenged to make room for the blind, the lame, or the child? Are you being challenged to be mindful of those who, for whatever reason, are being excluded from worship when they should not be? This could be a question for your church, which you might want to speak into. It could also simply be a question for your own heart and even some unconscious prejudice. I'll leave these questions with you for now, and we will begin to explore the way forward in the very next episode. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. I'll look forward to catching up next time. See you then.